Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Jesus, when he looked at what was happening, The court of the Gentiles? Well, it was a flea market. It was a circus, a zoo. He was livid. You see, the temple was being defiled by religious leaders. They were hypocrites. They were interested in profit, not God, and not people. And he puts a sign up, closed for cleaning. When you meet as a group of believers in a church fellowship under the name of God, what expectation does he have? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the time Jesus was infuriated at what the temple of God had turned into. Any group that puts the Lord's name over what they do or who they are better be ready and willing to meet his expectations for a place of worship. God does not take worship lightly at all. It is not meant to be a social club or a business. He desires for it to be a central part in the spreading of the gospel. So how are you contributing to the Lord's will for your church today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, What Does God Want From His House? Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. No doubt as you travel around the United States, you've seen a sign. It's it's a simple sign. It just says close for cleaning. Do you know what Jesus is going to do today? He's going to put this sign out. Oh, not at a rest stop, at the temple, at church. And we're going to discover, well, the title of our teaching, what does God want from his house? We look at Matthew chapter 21, scoot on down to verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area. The first thing you need to understand quickly this morning as we go through this is this principle. Judgment always begins at the house of God. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin within God's house. Jesus is going to judge the house of God today. Now, why is he going to do that? Well, see... You and I are to be representatives of the Lord. There's actually, in our day and age, two houses that God wants to judge. First, 
we don't have temples in the Christian faith. We have churches. The temple just means a sanctuary or a shrine, an inner shrine where people worship. Today, in the public setting, here in Melbourne and by Vieira, we are, well, we're a church. That's what the temple is. So as we go through these key points this morning, God's going to judge our church. But the, the house of God is not just a, a group of people that meet like this. Actually, the house of God in a private setting is much more intimate. Notice the verse, 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives within you? So when you turned your life over to Christ, God came to live in you. You are this morning, if you're a Christ follower, the actual house of God. Now, the first statement that we talked about was that we're to be judged. We're to judge ourselves first and then the church first. Why? Well, if there's hypocrisy in my life, if there's hypocrisy in the church, then the world looks at it and goes, I really don't want any part of that. So obviously we're not perfect. There are no perfect Christians. There are no perfect churches. The reason there's no perfect churches is because you and I are in it. But we don't want to be hypocrites and not realize it. From time to time, I'll get an email from someone and they'll say, you know, at work, this person, well, they just... They treat everybody horrible. They speak against everything. They're critical. They're negative. They cheat. They lie. And then people say, what's up with you? Well, nothing's up with me. I go to Calvary Chapel. It's a great place. Well, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. So judgment always begins right here with me and with you. Jesus is going to judge the temple. Look at verse 12 in its entirety. Well, Jesus entered the Jewish temple... And he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. This is the second time that Jesus closes the temple for cleaning. This was the Passover time. At the beginning of his ministry, three years, three years before he did, now it's Passover. There's Jews from all over the world. There's probably two million Jews in Jerusalem. And Jesus is very angry, and he does exactly what the Word says. He is going to judge the temple. Now, here's a couple pictures of the temple, just a representation of what it would have looked like in those days, because obviously, as you know, in 70 AD, the Jewish temple was destroyed, so there is no Jewish temple yet. Don't have time to get into that, but the book of Revelation tells us there is going to be a new one on the Temple Mount. It's going to be exciting when it gets here. We won't be here, praise God. On the left-hand side is kind of a picture. It's the court of the Gentiles. In the middle would be the holies and holies. And there you can see a little better representation. Well, there would have been many, many, many people here. Now, why did they come here? Well, in the Jewish faith, you had to come to worship God at the temple. And you also came to offer animal sacrifices for your sins. Every adult male had to come to Jerusalem for those three annual celebrations, obviously one of them the Passover, and they would come from many places around the world. Now, if you live close, you would probably bring your own animal sacrifice, the sheep or the, as you can see here in this particular thing, the, the dove or a bird or another animal that was acceptable. 
If you lived far away, you would actually buy it on site in one of those places. You, you wouldn't bring that from miles and miles and miles away. Well, let's say you came, and you came that morning, and, and you brought your little dove with you. Well, the Scripture says in the Old Testament that the animal that we bring is to be spotless, representing eventually Jesus who was, out, was without sin. Well, you brought your little dove, and you came, and as you sat down, in that court of the Gentiles, there would be a representative of the Jewish priest there to look at the animal. And he would begin to look at your little dove, and he would look very hard, and guess what he would find? Well, he'd find a flaw. And he would say to you, well, it's nice that you brought your dove, but the dove has a flaw. You can't use the dove. Well, now, what are you going to do? You come to worship. You come to offer sacrifice. You brought your animal. The animal is for your sins. You can't give this animal. Well, it just so happens that right next to this stall, right next to this stall, there was a little stall, and the title said, Priest Certified Animals. This is true. And you, you just... You just kind of moved next door, and you bought a dove. Now, let me see if you can guess. Would the price for the dove be low, medium, or very high? It'd be exorbitant. So you're going like, okay, think, think about this. You brought yours. It wasn't good enough. By the way, it would never be good enough. They just happen to have them ready for you. So you get ready to buy this, but there's a problem. Notice when Jesus cleaned the place, he cleaned the money changers. Now, why the money changers? Well, the money changers are there because you can only buy this sacrifice, this animal, with temple coins. Of course, you also had to pay the required temple tax. Now, as you went to the next booth to get your money changed, there were no ATMs. You can put your card in. You went to get your money changed. What kind of an exchange rate would it be? Would it be low, medium, or exorbitant? You already know, don't you? Okay, so you shell out all this money. You pay 10 times what you should have for the animal. You get like nothing for your exchange rate. And now you're ready to worship. What would your attitude be like as you headed in to worship God? Well, you know what your attitude would be like. You just got ripped off. And so Jesus, when he looked at what was happening, the court of the Gentiles, well, it was a flea market. It was a circus, a zoo. He was livid. You see, the temple was being defiled by religious leaders. They were hypocrites. They were interested in profit not God, and not people. And he puts a sign up, closed for cleaning. I'm going to give you seven keys this morning. Here's the first one to write. The church, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, Avier, or CF, Christ followers, must be a place where godly leadership serves. Here's a principle you must understand. As leaders go... So go the people. We know that God instituted leaders in his body. 
People are, people are followers. A leader goes before, he shows the way, he influences, he guides, he directs, he gives a course of action. Well, the Bible is filled with principles for leaders. One of the main principles is that they be godly in character, that they care for God and the people more than themselves and more than certainly their wealth. Well, as God looked at this, as Jesus saw this, he knew where the problem was. The problem isn't with the people. The problem's with the leader. What is he going to do with that? Let me just explain to you leadership. You see, leaders are important. They're people of influence. Now, they're no better than anybody else, but God gives certain people the gift of leadership. We have to have leaders. This is a principle you need to understand. People standing by the side have seen Jesus come, and he cleans the temple out. He just cleans the temple out. And the people are saying, why did you do this? What's up with that? Who gave you the right to clean the temple? Understand this principle. The church or a Christ follower must be a place of truth. Of truth. You see, Jesus goes right to Scripture when he has to answer a question. He goes to Isaiah He goes to Jeremiah. The reason we teach God's word here at Calvary Chapel, the reason we go through this word verse by verse, is so you and I will understand this Bible answers all the questions on life. So when I have a question about who I should marry, what do we do with our kids, we understand that God's grace covers our children until they come to an age of accountability. You'll see that this morning. When we Look at any aspect of life. Should I move to another state? Should I do this? How should I do this? I've been divorced. There's been an issue. What do we do with our kids? How do we raise them? What do I do financially? This is the answer. When the people came to Jesus and said, why did you clean the temple out like that? He goes right to Scripture to give us the answer. So the church must be a place of truth. He goes first to Jeremiah. Notice, you see it on the overhead, Jeremiah chapter 7. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? I have been watching, declares the Lord. So notice, let's go back up to 13. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. He says, the reason I'm cleaning it Is because Jeremiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, well, he had the same problem. Leaders were exploiting people. And the the church, even the temple back in those days, had become simply a, a den of thieves. Now, one more thing, very important that you look at. Verse 13, it is written, he said to them, circle these next two words, my house. In your Bible, just write this. Jesus was saying... I am God. Notice, this is the house of God. The church is the house of God. The temple was the house of God. Jesus isn't saying, I'm in my father's house. Here he says, I am God. Why is that important? If you're going to go to heaven, you have to believe that Jesus was God, is God. Two of our cults will love the people. They just have their doctrine wrong. Joe Witness and Mormon, neither one of those believe that Jesus is God. He was a created being. No, he was never a created being. He has always been. 
So Jesus says, my house. Very important you see it. He says, my house has become simply a, a, a place of thieves. We emphasize the word of God because simply it's what Jesus did. Now, how do you do this for your own life? The church, a Christ follower, must be a place of prayer. A place of prayer. Jesus quotes out of Isaiah 56, 7. What does it say? For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It was the prophet Isaiah who earlier had said one of the main purposes for the temple was to be a place of prayer. Now, keep your finger right there in Matthew. Flip back to the Old Testament, 1 Kings. 1 Kings, maybe about the uh, uh, first one-third of the Old Testament. Scoot right on back there, 1 Kings chapter 8. And when you get there, we're going to be reminded when the first Jewish temple was built by King Solomon, David's son, what happened on that opening day? What was taking place in the temple? And you're going to see how exciting it is to go back these thousands of years. 1 Kings chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 10. Now, when the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform the service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. When King Solomon first dedicated this temple, the presence of God, it was so thick you could cut it with a knife. You couldn't see the screens. The priest couldn't operate. I couldn't teach. That's what happened. Now, when that took place, what God was saying is, my presence is here. By the way, do you know this morning that God's presence is here? He's right here in, in his building, in his place. Doesn't matter where it is. He's, he's here with his people. Well, scoot on down to uh, verse 28. Look at what took place. Give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, O Lord my God. Solomon praying. Hear the cry and the prayer of your servant that your servant is praying in your presence this day. God, may your eyes be open toward this temple night and day. The place with which you said my name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Notice how much prayer is involved. Verse 30, hear the supplication of your servant and your people, Israel, when they pray toward this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Prayer is huge. See, prayer is simply two-way conversation with God. I get directed by praying to God. By the way, it's not just our corporate setting I'm talking about. In your devotion time, be praying for direction, for insight. Pray for other people. Allow God to minister to you. Just talk to him. That's all it is. It's two-way. And of course, you have to mix your prayers with a little faith. You have to believe that God's listening. He absolutely is. Scoot on back to Matthew chapter 21, where you left off. 
And Jesus is going to do something very unusual. It doesn't seem unusual to us. In the temple, there was all kinds of places. The court of the men, uh, the court of the women, the court of the Gentiles. Certain people couldn't even go in and worship God. In the Old Testament days, the lame and the blind couldn't go in. They weren't allowed in. Certainly people with leprosy and those kind of things weren't allowed in. Well, here we are at the temple. Watch what God does. Take a look at this. Look at verse 14. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and Jesus sent them away. Is that what it says in your Bible? What's he say he did? He healed them. You see, needy people were always around Jesus. Usually the blind and lame, as I said, were not allowed in the temple, but Jesus said, whoa, 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 new standard. Everybody that comes to me, I'm going to minister to their need. I'm going to reach out. And so not only did he clean the temple, but he started cleaning the hearts of the unfit, those that supposedly weren't even supposed to be there. Understand this today. The church is to be a place of spiritual, emotional, and physical healing for all people. This place, this church, Vieira, it's inclusive. We want to meet the needs of people. It doesn't matter. If a certain person comes in and you go, well, look at her outfit. Or you might be sitting next to someone this morning here in Vieira and you go, I think they've been drinking already. What are they doing in church? Well, now, wait a minute. What do you think they're doing in church? Well, Pastor Mark, a a church can't minister to people that dress skimpy and do this and... What? Well, who, who were you before Christ changed you? You were just like that, weren't you? Uh, uh, weren't you? Yes. Notice what Jesus said earlier. He said, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. So the church has to be a place of openness. Anyone is welcome here. The needy can come. Well, look at verse 15. Matthew 21, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, that he had healed those people, this brings up number five. The church, or Christ follower, must be a place of power. When people come to church, I can't meet their need. Now, we can give some food, we can do those things, but you can't meet the need of a person. The deepest need of a person, you and I can't meet, but God can. Just before Jesus went back to heaven, he gave this great principle. Here's what it says, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does God want from his house? In Matthew 21, Jesus made it very clear his expectations for his house. Today, Pastor Mark taught listeners the role and importance of Christ followers and the church. Does your church preach truth from the Word of God and believe in the power of prayer? The church must be a place where people's needs are met and they won't be without prayer and the Word of God. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Do you believe the church can experience the power of the Holy Spirit on a weekly basis? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach us that the church must be a place of power praise and worship. All of these things are designed in part to set a proper example for our children. We must remember that children are always watching, so the time and effort we put into the importance of church will not go unnoticed. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Here